are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Haunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome to the Paranormal Chronicles podcast. I am your host, G.L. Davis, author of the number one best-selling haunted horror of Haverford West and founder of the ParanormalChronicles.com. This supernatural series is brought to you by our series sponsor, Sixth-Books.com. And this month's Sixth-Books featured books are The Foreseeable Future by Gary Williams, which investigates foresight and prophecy, and Evolutionary Metaphors by David J. Moore, which is the groundbreaking research into UFOs. Must read. Visit sixth-books.com for more details. Thank you to everyone that has enjoyed the series so far with our episodes on spiritual guidance, dangers of Ouija boards and evidence of life after death. Download our entire archive for more paranormal content. Remember to follow for your chance to win great paranormal books in our monthly followers draw on tonight's show. What strange lights drift through our skies at night? What strange apparitions watch you while you sleep? I have spent many years collating and recording real-life encounters, so on this episode I am playing you a selection of true paranormal accounts, from the heartbreaking to the terrifying, plus a frightening UFO encounter. If you have your own experiences, thoughts, views or opinions, then contact us on Facebook or Instagram as The Paranormal Chronicles on Twitter at Paracron or email us at paranormalchronicles at aol.com. On with the show. Okay, well, my name is Christina Horrocks. My friends call me Chris. I am in Orem, Utah, but I'm from a small town called Duchesne, Utah. I am what's called a clairvoyant medium. I hear and speak with people that have passed away. I normally don't see them as I would see somebody standing next to me. I see them as a picture or a still image in my mind, and I hear and feel them. So I've been asked to tell my favorite ghost story, even though I'm not sure I like the word ghost. My favorite, I think, was when I had a friend of mine Ronnie pass away. It was probably the most intense, but also my favorite. For the fact that when Ronnie passed away, it was the first time I really had an opportunity to engage family through the spirit or the ghost. Ronnie didn't handle dying very well. He, sorry, he didn't handle dying very well. And he was in denial that he had passed away. And he couldn't believe that that was the end of his life. He couldn't believe that it, that it was over, because it happened so tragically. It happened before he knew it. Most times when people pass away, as I've told you before, it takes about three days for them to completely pass over. It took Ronnie probably two weeks, because he was in denial, and because it was so tragic, people wouldn't let him go. One of the other reasons why it was my favorite is because that was the first time I was able to see on the other side through the perspective of the ghost, Ronnie allowed me to see what he saw from the other side. Just really quickly, I'll give you this story at the funeral. He said, I want you to imagine that everybody in this room is talking to each other, 
but you can hear each individual person as though they're standing next to you. Whereas somebody who's living wouldn't be able to hear somebody clear across the room. And he said, when you're on the other side, you can hear clear conversations everywhere. He also told me that everything was like pixelated. Everything was super bright colors, like colors had colors. It was a great way for me to get a perspective of what he was going through and what he was witnessing. And he allowed me to witness it through him. So that that was probably my, my, my top favorite. I was also able, able to help his mother adjust, forgive, forgive the man who caused Ronnie's death. I was able to tell her how he died before the police told her. I was able to tell her that he didn't suffer, what he went through upon impact. I was able to walk his mother through that and help her with the healing process. So that's my favorite ghost story. I'm Jo Banks. I'm from Hartlepool and I'm a paranormal investigator. I deal mainly in private confidential cases. I'm the leader of Hartlepool Paranormal Investigators. I also run Paranormal Investigators Hub, which is a global community on Facebook. It only seems right just to begin with how I ended up writing this. I would never have dreamt up such an adventure just six years ago, and this is how it all began. In 1988, my father began taking me for driving lessons. We always seemed to end up over the headland area of Hartlepool. We would often park up and watch the rough seas, and Dad would tell me about stories of his childhood and how life was so hard for him. We would park up one particular street for no reason, and we would both question things about the street, casually saying like, I wonder what this large building with no windows is in such a quiet, out-of-the-way street. It looks like an old picture house. Jump forward 20 years. I'm now married with children. My father had died, and my life was now a, a lot different to what it was back then. I was driving on my way to do the grocery shopping, and you know when you're in autopilot and you're just driving along to your destination, but then you can't recall how you got there? Well, I found myself sat in the car with my engine turned off, and I'd found that I'd subconsciously driven to the parking space where my dad and I would park when I was learning to drive and it hadn't changed at all all that time that I'd been away. As I was in no hurry to get the shopping done and it was quite a nice day anyway, I decided to get out my car and reminisce a little bit. So I was looking up to this white stone building and I noticed a symbol at the top of it. It was one of those Masonic Lodge symbols that you see. Not at all what I presumed that was an old picture house, a cinema. Opposite was a gated pretty communal garden. A gentleman came out of the gardens and acknowledged me. Nice friendly bloke, very friendly people over there. I said how I had never once seen that Masonic Lodge building before and I've ne never seen it open. We got talking and he told me how old it was and how it was once a church of all things. He said that the houses all in this area were very old Now folk would say how they'd seen spirits of nuns, the infamous grey lady, passing the street early on the morning, four o'clock in the morning, say. And I thought to myself, what a lore of all the rubbish. I thought, ghosts, ha, dubs are stupid. Anyway, I returned home and looked up this Masonic Hall and the church at the end of the street. St Hilda's Church was the church that was at the very end of the street. I found it all very interesting and in that the nun whom the church had been named after was so iconic. I returned to the area and the people living there were all very friendly and very interesting. The more I asked about the buildings, the more I was intrigued. After a while, I was hearing stories being repeated about spooky goings-on. Before long, I found that my curiosity in all these ghostly tales had peaked. Why were all these, why were all these quite sane-looking people coming out with such tales? In some cases, I found that they would recount to me some odd occurrences and they would get really quite emotional. It seemed that the paranormal is such a topic which is only for fools, and most of these people had never told anyone about their personal experiences. I was in no position to judge, and seeing 
how totally convinced they were of the paranormal activity, I thought I would delve deeper, keeping an open mind. Experiences. Word must have got out that I was interested in ghostly tales and the buildings, locations here, which had experienced so much, and I was keen to hear other people's experiences. This is where things seemed to escalate quite quickly. It was a Friday morning when I, was, when I picked the phone up to an old lady, seeing she had heard about me being interested in strange goings-on. Where had she got my number? I don't know. Unfortunately, I was on my way out to take the kids to school on the morning and I was unable to chat. We quickly agreed that I would pop over to see her on the Monday morning once I had taken my children to school, because this was the Friday. I was pleasantly surprised to find her house was in the exact same street my dad and I used to park up when he was teaching me how to drive. I knocked at the door, looking through the Flemish glass, I could see her small frame going from one side to the other, and I presume she was taking, say, a cup into the kitchen. Still no answer. I tapped on the window, and after a while I decided to just leave a note through the door saying to call me. A week passed, and she hadn't called. I hadn't saved her phone number, so I decided to just go over there again, hoping that she was home. Again, there was no answer. A neighbour was painting his door frame, so I went over and asked if he had seen her around. He told me that she had died over the weekend after she had spoken to me on that Friday, which is a bit like, oh, you are joking? I said I had been there on the Monday and seen her passing the hallway. He said you couldn't have seen her because she was already, she'd already died. A few weeks passed and I got a message via Facebook from a lady called Maureen from South Africa. She'd heard about my interest in spooky stories from over the headland. Maureen rang me because she said it was easier than texting. And this is what she said to me. I had lived in a house over Old Hartlepool in the 1950s. I lived there with my mother, father and sister. We hadn't stayed long over there as there was a horrible feeling about the house. The house was haunted. My sister and I shared a bedroom, but we got no sleep. We would lie there and the door would slowly creak. We would both stare at each other thinking, is it a draft? But then it would go all away, close and click shut. You could see the wooden doorknob turning. She said it was so cold in there that ice would form on the inside of the windows and we would scratch our names on it. Sometimes we would hear something like a nail being tapped on the window pane, but there was no one there. Our Scotty dog would never go upstairs it would moan down at the bottom step, looking up. Things got worse. I would wake up with the feeling that someone was sitting on my feet and on my legs. I would sit up and you could actually see the, the imprint of the blankets as if someone was actually sitting there. My man was sick of us screaming the place down. The last time was when my sister was lying next to me and the blankets were flung off us and she was dragged out of the bed by something invisible. This only happened... This only seemed to happen in our bedroom, but who knows? All I know was that we soon left and we were told never to tell anybody about it ever again. I was quite taken aback. You hear these things in horror films, not in little old Hartlepool. I wrote it all down and thanked her for her time. Now this is where it gets very odd. About two months later, I got a message from a woman in Montreal in Canada. She was going to be coming over to Hartlepool to visit her relations. She said that in the 1970s, she lived in Hartlepool and had a very scary, spooky house. You know, it's coming, don't you? She said that they had owned a white West Highland dog, a Scotty dog. It would bark at nothing and would never go upstairs, no matter how much she would playfully call it. Her bedroom was always very cold. She said that they owned a white Highland Scotty Sorry. dog. It would bark at nothing and would never go upstairs, no matter how much she would playfully call it. Her bedroom was always very cold. She would hear tapping on the window. Her duvet would end up on the floor even when she'd made the bed up and had just left the room. She said that her bedroom door would close very, very slowly and then click tight shut. 
Everything sounded so very familiar to me. I asked her if she knew any people who had previously lived there, if she had any connections with anyone from, say, South Africa. Back then, you didn't talk about such things, or you'd be sent to the funny farm. I asked her what her address was. It was the same house that Maureen and the old lady had died in. Was this a coincidence? I decided to dig a, deep, a bit deeper. These two women, who both to this day don't know of each other, were having some kind of joke on me, then it needed to be further investigated. I drove back to the house, looking at the windows, which all of the curtains drawn now. How could I get in to have a look inside, just to see if I could myself feel or witness anything? Then it dawned on me as my eyes focused on the for sale sign. Could I be so daring to pretend that I wanted to view the house with a view to buying it? Of course I couldn't do that. That was just too extreme. Instead, I decided to look into the land registry to find out more about the house. Finding out information proved not so straightforward and slowly I was gathering information on that house which was anything less than mundane. It transpired that the house itself was one of the very earliest homes on the headland, built even before the street was and the imposing St Hilda's Church, and before the imposing St Hilda's Church was even built itself. I read that the small chapel close by the house was used for baptising the local villages, and maybe for witch trials. If anyone refused to be baptised and work the land for the church, they were taken to the cliff nearby and flung over. Nuns would pass the house every day, early on the morning, going to the monastery at the seafront, and return each evening as their second church was further inland than where St Hilda's now stands. Not far from the house was a cemetery for plague victims that a century later more graves were put on top of them. These were mainly for women and children due to the shortage of space. This turns out to be the communal gardens in the street. The house was once the blacksmiths, making not only horseshoes but tools for the monks and local villagers to farm the land. It later became stonemasons. I read that often they would have one room for the bodies laid out for loved ones to show their final respects, while the other areas were for carving the gravestones. It later became a general store, off-licence, and then a newsagent's. A popular character who warned the newsagent's died when some school children banged hard on his front door while he was at the top of the stairs. He turned in surprise and fell down the stairs, and he broke his neck, and he died. The house has been altered in height and moved further back some six feet to allow more access for traffic, I presume. Quite a busy little house to think of possible bodies being laid there waiting to be buried and a known death on the premises in the last hundred years. Months passed and the house was still empty. It was still for sale. I left notes through the letterbox for whoever had the keys to please contact me, not saying why. I decided that there was only one option. I would have to go to the estate agents and ask for a viewing. <laughs> I took a deep breath and confidently walked into the estate agents. An assistant smiled up from her desk. I asked if the house was available for viewing. She looked on the computer and said, oh, I'm sorry, it's only just been sold this morning. My heart hit the floor. I didn't know what to say. I sat there and I just stared. She said, are you okay? I said, I just really wanted to see the house. I replied, not knowing what to do. It's been empty for such a long time as well, she said sympathetically. I thought, okay, I'll lay my cards on the table. I've been trying to get in that house for a long time. I've heard so much about odd goings on in there. I've looked into the history and that it was once even a morgue. So she said to me, so you're like a ghost hunter? She says, just wait there a minute. She said and she stood up and went out to the back. She came back with a male colleague. Tell her about the house that you went to measure up, the one that sold over the headland. She's a ghost hunter. I butted in and said, well, I'm not a ghost hunter. I'm just very curious about the stories that I've heard and wanted to go in to see what I could feel or sense or anything really. 
He brought a chair over and leaned in. It looked all very cloak and dagger. He said, I've been doing this job for a good 20 years. The morning I went over there to get the measurements and that, I, f I was as right as rain. I went over, opened it and immediately felt bad. I tried to push it to one side and carry on, but I felt sweaty, breathless, like I was being watched. I went upstairs and I just had to st stop in my tracks. I could have sworn there was somebody up there. I even shouted up. I was taking big breaths and I just had to leave or I would have been sick on the stairs. I pretty much ran out of that place, if I'm honest. I rang wake up when I was outside on the pavement and I said, look, I'm going to go straight home. I'm just feeling too bad. Not once have I been ill all the time I've been working here. I explained about speaking to the person in South Africa and the Canadian woman and how they pretty much had the exact same experiences from that very same address. The lady estate agent said that she had taken a man round the house. She said that her herself felt very uneasy and was glad to get out. Maybe she was just saying that. Then again, maybe it was the truth. Either way, I said it would be best if we all just keep quiet about it and hopefully the new owners will have no problems. I have been past the house many times. It's still empty with no signs of life. Once the new people have settled in, say in a year or so, then I will casually pop around asking if they'd heard of any paranormal activity in the area. All this activity in su such one small area and people just go around their lives unaware of such very interesting events to be continued. Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Malik. I am a ufologist and a paranormal historian with the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society Limited. I'm also a writer for Supernatural Magazine and host of Paraversal Universe. What I'm going to sh do is share my scariest, creepiest paranormal experience I've had. This had happened in my early 20s before I founded the NWPS, but this was one of the catalysts that geared me in that direction. So it was a uh, summer night and I was sleeping on a couch. This was actually where I'm at, the house it, the house is built on a hill, so even though I'm in the basement, I have this huge picture window in front of me, and I can see the night sky, and the couch is right up against this picture window. So when you're lying down, you look to your right, and you can see outside, good view, everything. So anyways, I'm sleeping, and just like that, all of a sudden, I open my eyes from a deep sleep, and I turn my head right towards the sky, and I see this oval thing, orange oval, flying back and forth. And the way it was flying, it looked like it was searching for something, like a grid pattern. It was really low, and it was really quick. And, of course, this had brought me right out of a, a deep sleep. Like, my sixth sense, like, you're in danger, you know, wake up. As this is going on, the window is open, and I can hear the neighbor's dog, which at first was barking, and then it started whining. Right as it started whining, there's an aviary upstairs from where I'm sleeping where birds are bred, like parakeets and cockatiels and that kind of thing. And in this room, there's like 50 of them in cages. They have this thing where they, it's called night fright, where something scares them and they start flapping their wings and beating their wings. And uh, they can break their wings and stuff doing this. It's really loud. And, you know, bird breeders don't want this. <laughs> but anyways, so this had happened. This is, All three of these things had happened just all in the same moment. My instincts told me, Kevin, you're in danger. Get up and hide. That's what I did. I, I got up and I, I went and I crouched behind a couch. And, and here I'm an adult in my early 20s already, so I thought, you know, this is really unusual. I am, something's wrong, and, and, you know, I'm getting verification because I woke up, because I can hear the animals and how they're reacting to this. There's something out there, and it's looking for something. If it knows that I can see it, it could do anything it wants to me, and there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know if that was a craft I saw or an entity, 
it was just a fuzzy oval shape. So anyways, I hid behind the chair for probably like two or three minutes. After the bird stopped and I couldn't hear the dog anymore, I got from behind the chair and I went to the window and looked and, and sure enough, the thing was not there anymore. It was a flying around. Uh, first one way, you know, it would go from like east to west and then it would come from like northwest to southeast and then come from north to south and it's just, just the way it was gritting back and forth kind of like it was looking for something i didn't know if it was looking for me or but whatever it was looking for it was looking for something and it had woken me out of a sleep and it scared the hell out of a dog and it had caused night fright in this bird room and i'll never forget that experience ever that to me at that moment i felt vulnerable scared naked and uh i felt again if that wanted to do anything it wanted to me it could have and i could not have stopped it that's my most creepiest paranormal experience hello there my name's steph i'm from lanarkshire paranormal uh com, and i'm going to tell you a story which happened to us in one investigation we did one of our most popular investigations that we do is a semi-derelict swimming baths in govan hill in glasgow now when you go in there it's the the paint stripping off of the walls it's it's a proper derelict sort of atmosphere and it was once used as a morgue in world war ii so i'm going to tell you a story about something which happened to us uh it was actually after the investigation when we were taking the cameras and all these sound equipment down sadly as always is and uh we were down into um what's uh, called the steamy area okay and this is an area where many many years ago the um normally the housewives used to go to uh, do all their washing uh, big machines and things like that parts parts of it are still there however a lot of it is just sort of empty and um used for storage at the moment so we were in there taking the cameras down. It was uh, about just after three o'clock in the morning. There was three of us in there. And as we were in there, uh, there was this banging. The banging seemed to come from like, all around us. We couldn't quite pinpoint an area where, where the actual sound was coming from. It sounded, like, it sounded like we were engulfed in this sound. It was a very loud bang, bang. So we thought, well, while we're there, we'll, make, we'll call out and see if, uh, if it responds. And as we we're calling out, it was. Shortly afterwards, we were surrounded by what appeared to be shadows, sort of almost circling us as these bangs were going off. Kind of got the impression that uh, what was there was actually trying to sort of frog march us out of the area, if that makes sense. That lasted for about five, ten minutes. And then after that, they faded away. Uh, The banging still continued after the shadows faded away, but then that slowly stopped. And before you know it, it was dead quiet again. The atmosphere, the levels, well, the atmosphere in general just seemed to rise again. And it was all, all done after that. that. So we will be right back after these important messages. Hi there, my name is Claire Waters and I would like to invite you on an incredible journey. I have written a book based on my personal experiences called Raising Faith, a true story of raising a child's psychic medium. It's my family's extraordinary experiences with our young daughter's ability to communicate with spirits and the inspirational lessons learned on our journey. Raising Faith is currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle and wherever books are sold. Join me on this beautiful and incredible adventure. For more information on Raising Faith, visit my website, raisingfaith.co.uk or my Facebook page, Raising Faith Book. See you there. Sixth Books will take you to other worlds, haunt you, open your mind, and push you far beyond the veil of the unknown. 
Sixth Books is a leading publisher of books on the body, mind, and spirit, the paranormal, consciousness, ancient wisdom, and the afterlife. Explore today, learn today, open your mind today, read today. Visit sixth-books.com today. The world as you know it is about to change. Do you wish for more paranormal and spiritual content? The Paranormal Chronicles magazine is a free digital magazine crammed with the very best in paranormal and spiritual articles and features. No sign-up, no subscription, just free reading and knowledge for you. Read today at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. The International Chart Topping Haunted Horror of Haverford West has been described as terrifyingly real a must read shocking and chilling brilliance genuinely worrying utterly frightening don't read before bed described as one of the spookiest writers out there best-selling author gl davies presents haunted horror of haverford west the true paranormal account that is shocking the world dare you enter dare you read haunted Horror of Haverford West is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Pray you never have to live there. Hi, I'm Elaine Kelly, based in the northeast of England in County Durham. Um, I lead a team of investigators called Spectre Detectors. We try our very best to bring evidence via camcorder, CCTV, voice recorder, that kind of thing. But we do work very closely with mediums. We're very lucky like that. We have a, about 10 mediums join us on each investigation. Uh, we have our own website. It's www.spectre-detectors.co.uk. And we have our own Facebook page, Spectre Detectors. Um, my creepiest story only happened a few weeks ago. Ago, we investigated a little Victorian school. It's now a community centre in Croxdale, which is in Spennymoor, County Durham. It was just a late booking. We didn't have it booked very long. We just kind of slipped it in there. We went one Friday night. We've investigated it many, many times before. It is haunted by children. Um, they're always lovely. They're like, very playful. But this night, things took a little bit of a, a more sinister turn. We were investigating it as we would normally do. And two people took themselves off into the kitchen area, closed the door behind them, started calling out trying to communicate they started communicating with a, a nanny from there she wasn't very nice and the door opened itself <laughs> so we didn't really know anything further until they came running out swearing that was the start of the night then we just started to communicate as we do started doing a little bit of a seance and the children came through and we were wary of this nanny she really wasn't very nice but later on in the evening things took a little bit of a more sinister turn the feel of the whole building changed got the spirit box out and we were swore at a few times through the spirit box and we were told to get out so that's that was a little bit worrying but anyway we carried on with the, the investigation and one of our team's father came through the Frank's box and again warned us to get out one of the mediums picked up on a dark entity cowering in the corner at the back of a room and the children had obviously all disappeared by then it just the whole atmosphere in the in the building changed it went from a very nice playful playful energy to 
something a little bit more creepier. People were starting to get a little bit freaked out, which doesn't happen very often because, like I say, we work with mediums. They were picking up not very nice things. So we decided we needed to change the energy back. So we decided to play nursery rhymes and that kind of thing. Try to lift the energy, try to lift the vibration a little bit. The, the dark entity did go, but we were finding that people were a little bit freaked out. One poor lady, it was a first investigation, she cried because the spirit had drawn that close to her. She was crying and she didn't know why she was crying. Anyway, we, we decided to, like I say, play the nursery rhymes. We got the whole feel of the, the night. It was it, it did lift the vibration a little bit. Uh, we went outside and we took some photos. We did catch some really, really good spirit photos of what looked like children in the distance. Um, I caught a man's face on photo looking through the glass at us in the yard area but we did decide to cut the investigation quite short because people were just that little bit wary of what could happen if we'd stayed there and as we said the closing prayer because we always start with an open and protection prayer and we always finish with a closing protection prayer so nothing follows us home and as we were saying the prayer and we finished with the lord's prayer a door opened somewhere in the building because we heard it again um so we finished the evening we were taking all of the cameras and everything down and we noticed that the kitchen door had in fact opened again um so <laughs> that was fairly creepy um but we ha we have promised to go back there very very soon because i think we've got a little bit of unfinished business there but after we've because we always assess the footage we always do and we, we we've caught some really really good evidence we've caught what was said on the frank's box it is available on youtube not all of it because there is language on there and we don't i don't like to put swearing on there so we have put the cut version on there and there is cctv footage of the the light anomalies and the orbs that were everywhere in the room but that's that's probably I mean we have investigated some really creepy places but that was a really sinister night and we, we didn't think that it was very nice what was there but the Victorian school has got a little bit of a dark past because um, it was built for the mining community and the miners obviously back in the day the children you did used to get poorly and die young and if the children were dying if the miners sent the children to school and they died at school the state paid for the funeral if they died at home they had to or that's what we were told so we don't know whether that's why the children, there's a lot of children there. But we did pick up on quite a bit. There was a lovely um, caretaker there. There was a teacher there. There was a not very nice nanny there who wasn't very nice to the children, was obviously in the wrong job. And there are the children there. But we we have investigated there on numerous occasions. And we have caught a little girl who is scarred by a burn from the kitchen. So the mediums did pick up that the nanny had a little bit of something to do with that. And what was supposed to be an accident maybe wasn't. But again, we'll never be able to prove that. And that's it, really. We are going to go back and we're going to see what we can pick up hopefully next year. Hello, my name is Dale Boswell. I'm, I'm just a country singing, ghost chasing, Bigfoot hunting researcher. But I do have a ghost story. Actually, this took place back in the early 70s. Uh, we were living in beautiful Eufaula, Alabama. Man, it's, it's, if you've never been to Eufaula, wow, you should you should just drive through there, you know. It's just gorgeous. One of them, you can just drive straight through the middle of town and just and just say, wow, look at this, something out of Mayberry. Anyway, we were living, living in a, uh, a, a, a kind of a big house. You know, all those those houses back in those days were, were really big, and they, they've still got a lot of them there, and Eufaula, just historic homes, you know. And it was so big, we actually just, we didn't go upstairs, you know. We just lived downstairs. It was an old house that set up about three or four feet off the ground, young block pillars, one of those type houses, and we were just right on the sidewalk, right right at the edge of 
right at the edge of town, right where the uh, the street lights start. Every once in a while, the lights in the hallway, you know, had a lamp in the hallway and it would flicker on and off. We never thought much about it. You know, we'd laugh and, and you know, make little ghost jokes. I never paid much attention to it. But, of course, we were scared to go upstairs because it was always dark up there. No furniture, always dusty. You know, that it did have a bathroom up there, too. So, every once in a while, during the daytime, we would go up there and, and play a little bit. You know, if we had to use the other restroom. But at night, man, man, we, we just didn't go up there, you know. One night, and this is, this, I guess this is the first time I ever even, even uh, thought about ghosts or even suspected it as far as a ghost could be even close to me besides, you know, watching them on TV and cartoons and things. So I was just a kid, like say in the early 70s. But my brothers and I and some buddies, we were playing hide and go seek out in the yard you know it was about about this time of year it was just nice outside you know and 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 it was getting darker a little early but you know it was just beautiful so i remember we were playing and like i say it was just about to get dark so i went i went around to the back of the house and i, I went up under the house you know and like i say i was just a kid so i could just kind of stoop a little bit and, and and go under there you know i didn't have to crawl in and crawl like a reptile or anything but so I stooped back and I went back up in there, three or four feet, I guess it was, and got back behind a, a couple of pillars, you know, that was holding the house up. So I could just kind of see it. I was in the shadows, basically. So I just kind of waiting for the rest of them to come around there looking for me. So I waited and waited and come to find I didn't know it, but I guess it just got a little darker than I thought it was. And they went home. My brothers went in the house. So I was there by myself, you know, and I thought it was awful quiet, but but here, here's the thing. I remember looking out and in front of me, just out of the corner of my eye, then turning my head and seeing it looked like a white arm, as far as like a, a lab coat type, color white arm with a white hand, you know, was petting a white dog from behind, like it was from behind one of those pillars. And, you know, of course, I took a double take and, 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 and crawl, I probably crawled like a reptile coming out from under that house. But anyways, I run in the house and, and I remember Mama saying that I was white as a ghost when I come in there and was telling her about it and stuff, you know. And, of course, you know, they picked at me, laughed at me, and just made a night of it, went on about our business. So a couple of weeks later, uh, my dad was working, and, and he got to telling somebody about about what happened. And, and, and they said, they said, Mr. Boswell, uh, I know where you live. They said, do, do you know who used to live in that house? And he said, no, no, sir, I, I have no idea. He said, actually, and I forgot about his name. is actually he said, it was a doctor. And Daddy said, yeah. He said, well, that's cool. And, and, and Daddy, you know, never did tell him the whole story of what happened. But then uh, a Daddy just happened to ask him, well, said, you know, what kind of doctor was he? And he said, uh, he was a veterinarian. So I thought, oh, well, wow, you know, you know, to, to see a, a, a white arm and a white hand and petting a white dog, you know, then to find out that a, a veterinarian used to live in the house and actually passed away in the house and uh, you know i thought that was kind of kind of creepy but that was my first experience and, and i've had a few others through the years uh intentionally looking for them you know ghost hunting but that was the first time uh, i ever just you know actually looked up and was like you know what in the world was that Hi, my name is Melanie Farley, and I am with Requiem Paranormal. I'm a part owner. My story is actually not really mine, but is my son's, who is an avid paranormal freak himself. He actually went with his friends down to Batstow, New Jersey, and that's a very haunted area. There's quite a few areas down there that are, there's Clinton Road, I believe that's in Batstow. You have mob hits, you know, victims that are buried in there. You have Bigfoot, you have the Jersey Devil, you have the Devil's Tree. There's so many different things down there. Well, they heard of a, a haunted house down there that's way out in the middle, like the, it's like kind of like in Blair Witch, if anybody ever saw that. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And it's an old house, probably built in maybe the late 1800s. 
And supposedly the story goes that a lady had a baby, not with her husband. It was somebody else's baby. And she had a supposed accident. Nobody ever proved what it was. She fell in the steps with the baby, killing herself and the baby. We don't know if she was pushed by her husband or if she fell or she deliberately threw herself. But the story goes, my son and his friends were looking for something to do one night. So they decided to take a ride to this house they heard of. They found it way out in the boondocks. I'm talking so far out. They said they were getting scared just getting there. By the time they got there, it was dark. Uh, supposedly what you do, you can hear a baby cry in the house. And you can also see uh, like a person in the window of the second floor. This is what people are looking for when they go. Well, my son was with five other friends. His, his one friend, Chris, another friend, Logan, and three other girls. Well, they go in, they're looking around the house, and they find, you know, they find, they said that the house felt horrible. Horn. John, my son, John, said it was, it was so heavy, it wasn't even funny. Next thing he knows, the girls are pulling out a Ouija board and three candles. He said, you know what? You guys are crazy. I'm out of here. I'm going out the door. My mom told me, never mess with anything that you don't understand. So out the door he went, out by the car, he waited, him and actually Logan followed him, because he didn't, he didn't like it either. About 20 minutes pass, and here come the three girls running out the front door, shaking like you wouldn't believe. They, Johnny said you could see their, hands stand, their hair standing up on their arms. They got in the car, they're shaking, they're waiting for Chris to come out, which was his other friend that was still in the house. Actually, when he got up to run, his foot went through the floorboard. You know, the floor, actually, because it was such a decrepit house. He got his foot, kind of went through the bottom. So he finally comes out. He gets in the car. He says, we're out of here. Here, they heard a baby crying in the next room, and it freaked every one of them out. His friend Chris is not, he, he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in any of that kind of stuff. Well, they did actually bring the candles and the Ouija board back with them, because they, if they get caught down there with anything, it's, it's a major fine. They had park rangers and stuff around, because nobody's supposed to be going in this house. So, about a week later, my, my son John's friend Chris calls him and asks him to come over. He said, listen, he said, I know you're into this paranormal stuff. He goes, I don't know nothing about it. He said, I've been having some really weird things happening around my house. He's been seeing shadow figures out of the corner of his eyes. He's hearing something that sounded like, a, you know, like scurrying on the floor, up the walls, on the ceiling. You know, it's freaking him out. He said, I, I, I'm, it's like making him crazy. He said, I didn't believe this stuff till this start happening to me. This has been going on for over a week now. He said, so I figured I, I would call and see what you thought. So, of course, my son John said, look, I told you that you mess with stuff you don't understand, you're going to get something happening to you. You guys messed with a Ouija board. You should have never done it. You probably didn't close it right or something or whatever you did. He said, something probably followed you home. So, my son said as he was in the house at Chris's house, his friend Chris, he said that he could actually, he saw, you know, like a shadow figure in the house. He said you could feel something peering at you. He said it was a horrible feeling in his house. He said he knew something followed him home. And a matter of fact, I forgot to even mention the fact that when they were pulling away, my son looked up to the second floor window and saw a shadow figure in the window. And he saw the, the curtains come over. He saw the shadow figure, and then the curtains went back. I mean, they're all, you know probably all shredded, you know, curtains and stuff. It's a decrepit house. So, but that's kind of the story. I mean, he he freaked out. And, and kind of like the moral to it all is don't mess with something you don't understand. And everybody says Ouija boards, oh, they're a game. No, they're not. They're by far a game. And it's it, it followed my son's friend home. So, I that's, 
that's basically my story. <laughs> I don't know if it was interesting or scary. It scared me when, when he told me about it. So I hope somebody gets a little, you know, chill. Hi, my name is Dave Dominguez, and I'm the host of the Event Horizon, which is on the Paranormal Chronicles Network. And this is my ghost story. Many years ago, when, when I was a kid, I was probably about 10 years old, we used to go and visit my grandmother for about a week every summer. And um, she lived, uh, we, well, I grew up in Texas, and she lived, my grandmother lived in a small town about four hours south, south of Texas, into, into Chihuahua, Mexico. They lived in a little rural town. It was probably about 2,500 people there. Um, they only have, had one paved main road, and most of the buildings were made out of adobe, and they were plastered over, you know, what have you. My grandmother had a house there that my grandfather built for her. Right behind that house, uh, my, my cousin Adrian and his, and his family, they lived behind my grandmother. And he was about my age as well, so every summer that we'd go and visit them, I would go and play with my cousin Adrian, and I would always look forward to seeing him. And, and we'd play, we'd play baseball, whatever, whatever there was to do out there, which wasn't much. So when I was when I was about ten years old, we of course we drove down there and with my mom and dad and and all we went to go see my grandmother and and, and ju- just as soon as we arrived, I said hello to my grandmother and I took off. I, I took off around the block. I guess I took a wrong turn or I went the wrong way. I don't know, um, but I ended up down down this one street, and it, I, I guess it was a couple of blocks away. It was the middle, of the middle of the afternoon, but there was nobody really on the street. It was pretty quiet. It was a very small town. I remember seeing, it was a dirt road, and but they had like sidewalks. I remember seeing these buildings on, on one side, on, and, the, and on the other side of the street was a big wall. And uh, behind it was an abandoned building. I didn't know what it was at the time, but as I kept walking down the street, uh, far away, I saw these these two figures, actually three figures. In, they were dark. They were wearing uh, like these dark veils, and I assumed that they were ladies who were coming down towards me down from the end of the block. And as they got closer and closer, I noticed they were wearing you know, like these dark dresses and these dark veils over their heads, and I thought, well, maybe they're going to church. As they got even closer, you know, I noticed, oh gosh, these they're short ladies, they're my size. So I thought, well, they couldn't be kids dressed like that. And then as they got really close, they got about three feet from me, and they stopped, and they mumbled something, and the only thing I could really get out of it was, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And for whatever reason, it just scared me to death. So I turned around, I ran the other way, and I ran all the way back. I ran, ran to my grandmother's house. I ran into her house, and I, and I ran into her kitchen where her and my mom were, were sitting at the kitchen table talking. And they asked me, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and I was out of breath, and I, I ran there, and I said, I saw these, these three ladies. You know, I went to go look for, for Adrian's house, but I got lost, and I saw these three ladies. And, and they approached me. They were all dressed in black, and they had veils. And I, I didn't know. I, didn't, I, I got scared. I ran away. They asked me what I was doing there. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, just my grandmother turned around and said, oh, yeah, like, like nothing. She just said, oh, those are the three nuns. The three nuns. He goes, yeah, those are the three nuns that are buried right there, you know, where, where the old convent used to be. They're buried there on the grounds. And my mom said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've seen them all the time around here growing up. You know, whenever somebody was in trouble or, or something, they, they seemed to appear or, or give somebody a warning for whatever reason. They said, uh, you must have been up to no good or, or something. 
because they, they warned you away from there. And I just looked at them, and to them it just seemed normal as heck. So after that, I didn't go anywhere else without, uh, without my grandmother or my parents with me. There we have it. Maybe you have your own paranormal encounter that you would like to share. If you would like more paranormal and spiritual content, check out our free digital paranormal magazine at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. It's free, no sign up, no nonsense, just dozens of articles and paranormal experiences for you. It's free. We have lots more paranormal recordings, interviews and features coming up, so press follow and every month the Paranormal Chronicles podcast will have a prize draw to reward one of our followers with a paranormal book. It's easy to enter, so just press follow now. I would like to leave you with the lyrics from my all-time favourite band, The Pixies. This song is called The Happening and is about aliens making themselves known to us. I was driving doing nothing on the shores of Great Salt Lake. When they put it on the air, I put it in the hammer lane. I soon forgot myself and I forgot about the break. I forgot about all laws and I forgot about the rain. They were talking on the nine and all across the Amy band. Across the road they were turning around and headed south with me. It got so crowded on the road I started driving in the sand. My head was feeling scared but my heart was feeling free. The desert turned to mud, it seemed that everybody heard. Everybody was remembering to forget they had the chills. Then I heard the voices on a broadcast from Up on the Bird. They were getting interviewed by some good man whose name was Bill. I'm almost there to Vegas where they're putting on a show. They've come so far, I've lived this long at least. I must just go and say hello. Sleep well. <laughs>